You're listening to Deal Talk with 7MA, providing invaluable insight into investment banking and the M&A space through honest conversations with industry thought leaders, business pioneers, and innovators. We'll pull back the curtain and give you the inside scoop on trends in our targeted industries and provide you the tools to better position your company in today's market. Welcome to the 7 Mile Podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Well, I've been looking forward to having you on here with us. I know we've gone back and forth discussing a few candidates of interest over the last month or two, but I think Alpine is a unique private equity firm with a great story to be told about how they're winning in the talent game. So for our listeners out there, Matt is an investor for a private equity firm out of San Francisco called Alpine Investors. Uh, Matt's been with the firm for over a decade now and holds the title of principal and is obviously a driving force behind Alpine's origination efforts. I've asked Matt to join us in this podcast today to tell us about his successful journey as an investor at Alpine, and we'll get into some pretty interesting topics. Matt, I look forward to hearing your opinion on the current economic cycle, the popular investment strategy of buy and build, as well as all things managed services. So Matt, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and give us a brief overview of Alpine Investors. Sounds good. So my name is Matt Pachano. As you mentioned, I'm a principal at Alpine have been here over uh, over a decade, which is uh, now dating me a bit, and have been in a, a variety of different roles in that time period. Most recently, I've been leading our deal origination or sourcing function, and what, what we're responsible for is finding new platform investments as well as add-on acquisitions that we, we do behind our, our platforms. And that has been a, a big emphasis for us on the on the add-on front over the last several years, and is, a, is, a, is one of the topics for today around the the buy and build model. As a firm, we've been around for almost 20 years now, and we have invested in nearly 150 companies during that time period. And that, that's a combination of the platforms we make as well as the add-ons that we do behind the platforms. Our industries that we spend time in are the, the software and service industries, and that will range on the services side from B2B services to consumer services. The thing that really ties it all together between software and the, the, the service companies we invest in is having uh, business models where there's some sort of repeat or recurring revenue, which we'll talk a little bit about later. And we have, on the buy and build model, have been act very active in a, a few different sectors recently, including within the, the healthcare space, the, the ophthalmology or the eye care industry, on the consumer services side, the HVAC and plumbing industry through a company called Apex, and then for the, the managed services industry, a, a business called Evergreen Services Group. And then we've also done a number of, of add-ons or buy and builds in the, the software space. And then going back to uh, something you mentioned at the beginning around like what differentiates Alpine from other private equity firms, we are very focused on talent, and we, we really think that people drive our performance, which, which might seem like an obvious statement, but it, it's something we really take uh, seriously and have, have built our firm around developing and uh, working with ex- exceptional leaders and, and putting them into uh, places where they can succeed in our portfolio. And we, we actually say internally that we're really in the talent business and we happen to be doing private equity, but <laughs> our, our, we, have, we spend so much time focused on recruiting, 
developing talent that it, it, you can look at it that way. That and it happens to be that our end market is private equity. The CIT program is obviously a highly impressive one, and uh, I look forward to digging into it. But um, continue, and I, I do want to hear eventually the, the types of founders that you guys are looking for for this program. Yeah, that, that sounds good. So the we've invested in a variety of different situations or, or uh, companies where the, the the deal dynamics, as we call it here internally, or what the owner is looking for as part of the deal, and, and it, it's really. A uh, every situation is different type thing. There's not a one size fits all. Mm. What what we have uh, had a lot of success with is working with founder owned businesses where the the founder is looking to either outright retire, and so they they've gotten it to the point where they're they're ready to take a step back out of uh, working overall, or maybe they want to focus on a specific function or a part of the business and, and aren't look, they don't really want to be running the business day to day going forward. And that model or that situation works really well for the, the uh, CEO and residence program we have as well as the CEO and training program that we, that we have. And so that, that's a, a big part of our, our model and something that we're, as we look at new opportunities, getting uh, figuring out what the owner really wants as part of a deal to see if we can be a, a good fit for them is, is really important. There is probably as important as what the business is itself from an industry and, and size point of view. And then other places where we have had success, we've done a number of carve outs where we have bought businesses from larger parent companies. And that's also a situation where you, you may need to bring in additional talent to the business right at close where either uh, CEO or CFO or, or other leaders. And then uh, also have started to look at uh, companies that are have institutional backing of uh, private equity or, or VC. And, if, and there's been some examples of, of our model working quite well there too. Absolutely. And that's obviously a, a really impressive uh, offering you guys have in the CIT program. And you've posted some great videos. So for our listeners, if you want to learn more about it, I know Alpine has uh, some videos on YouTube and on their website. It's obviously a very attractive model uh, for a lot of sellers out there. I know it also works very well for what seems to be a very popular strategy right now, at least in private equity. And I know it's been around since the, the origins of private equity, but the buy and build strategy uh, has certainly increased in popularity. It's been a pretty decent five-year stretch of its proving its ability. Uh, so could you go ahead and tell us a little bit about this trend, why you think it's picked up in popularity and uh, the kind of role Alpine has actually played in it? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would say to your last point there, we... We have been uh, proponents of the, the buy and build model and, and have been very active with it. And I, I'd say there's a, a number of factors on why it has become more popular in private equity and why we, we really like it. The f- first point is it allows us to grow our businesses faster. As we look at the, the investing in a company, we're ultimately hoping to grow that business over a, a five to 10 year period. And being able to do M&A or, or add-on acquisitions for that company really can drive the, the growth of the, the business in a, in, a, in a much faster way versus just doing it organically. We, we definitely are very focused on organic growth, and we have a number of things within our, our operating model and our playbook that we do to drive organic growth from sales and marketing to customer engagement, uh, customer retention. But uh, when you can layer in doing add-on acquisitions or, or buying additional companies in the space, it just allows you to grow much faster. Mm. We also are big believers in this the, 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 the ability to put more money behind 
businesses that we already own. And the, the reason we like that is because we are smarter about that business than if we're investing in a new company. So if we've owned a business for even a, a six months, it doesn't have to be a terribly long time. But uh, if, if we've owned a business for an, a, a period of time, we know the market better. We know the business itself better. We know the management team better than when we're looking at a new investment, a new platform investment. So if we can put more money behind that existing business that we already own, we view that as a, a, a way to deploy capital in a smarter way or less risky way because we know the, the market better than our alternatives in, in investing in a new market. So that's another driver behind it. And uh, for us on the talent side, we we have been able to buy multiple companies in one strategy just gives us more opportunities to bring in uh, additional talent to the, the overall strategy. And that's going back to our CEO and residence program and our CIT program. It's just another way for us to to, to bring talent into the, the businesses that we, we partner with. From a more macro point of view, the, the there's definitely drivers here around the, the private equity market getting more and more competitive over time, and the, the the pressure for private equity firms to deploy capital. It is a way for private equity firms to put more capital out when you're when you already have an existing platform and being able to deploy more money behind that. It's just a way to, to increase the velocity of how much money we can put out in a in a given time period. And then down the road, when we do look to to ultimately exit a business, you generally would see a, a higher multiple upon exit, really going back to what I said at the beginning around the fact we can grow businesses faster, so we can create bigger businesses in a quicker time period. One of the benefits of having a bigger company is the valuation that you can ultimately sell for will be higher than what you're probably starting with. Not 100% always true, but that generally is a, a, a good rule of thumb. And what I, I would say just overall, as we think about this model going forward, we're going to continue to to focus on it. And I think the overall market is likely to continue to focus on it. Some of the, the stats I've seen out there is add-ons, as, as you're looking at add-ons today, 30% of the add-on acquisitions completed are the, the actually the fourth acquisition in a platform. So just showing that a lot of the that I think it's at least the fourth acquisition. So a lot of the the transactions that are happening today, almost a third of them, are going into these these buy and build strategies. And I think that was under twenty percent several years ago. And uh, just the, the overall dry powder, going back to the 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 pressure to put money to work point that I brought up, there, that continues to prevail, and I expect that to continue to grow. There the the stats out there. I think there's two trillion of uh, capital out there that needs to be deployed in, uh, from private equity firms. So that's something that you're going to continue to see is, is private equity firms trying to find ways to put that money to work. Yeah, and no, I make a great point. And um, on that topic, we, we've seen a pretty significant uh, economic expansion. Uh, and in the world of M&A, we've observed a five-year stretch of continued rising deal value. You know, we see deal count and rising asset prices and indication of some pretty stiff competition out there. So... And obviously, as you mentioned, uh, in 2018, surpassing the two trillion in uh, private equity dry powder raising. So I'm I'm curious to hear, you know, how much of the the buy and build strategy uh, do you think is being driven by seeing real value in sticking companies together versus the pressure out there to deploy this cash uh, as record amounts, you know, by private equity funds have been raised. Yeah, I, from from an overall market point of view, I, I'm 
I think it's both where there there is a, a need to work with within the market dynamics and the, the market has become more competitive. So you're you're going to see firms that are looking to buy companies, they're gonna cut costs and they're gonna increase their their profit and that's how they're gonna make money. For us as a private equity firm, we are uh, very focused on growth of the businesses we invest in and, and goes back to the point I made earlier about organic growth. We, we want to grow the, the platform investments we make as well as the additional add-ons or acquisitions we make after the platform. We want to grow those businesses and do that in a, in a smart way. So from our point of view, we, we're bringing a, a real we're bringing real value to the table from an operational point of view as part of really any transaction we do, but specifically to this conversation and the buy and build model. And what, what's interesting, I think, from a, a business owner's point of view is that these, these buy and build trend is going to allow them to have greater access to private equity firms and, and private equity firms that hopefully can help them grow their, their businesses if you were a, a business that had maybe a services company that had five to ten million of revenue ten years ago, you, you may not have been able to get a lot of attention from a institutional investor. As the buy and build model has has uh, prevailed and grown over time, that that uh, size of business is really a, a good target or a, a good size for some of these models out there. And then once you have partnered with somebody, there should be some real value that they bring to the table post the transaction. I'd encourage any business owner who's looking to, to sell their company and is talking to you, whether it's a, a buy and build model or a, a directly with the private equity firm to understand what do they bring to the table post the, uh, the transaction and how are they going to help them grow their business so they can uh, find the right fit to, to, uh, to grow their business post close. And as I said, we, we have a, a very robust playbook around helping the business owners with sales and marketing, customer engagement and, and uh, success, employee engagement. So making sure our, our employees of the company are, are engaged and happy as we think that's really the biggest driver of, of a success of any business. So there's a, a variety of different things that we were able to bring to the, to the table and are now through the buy and build model can bring that to companies that maybe we wouldn't have been able to work with five, 10 years ago. Yeah. And you know, these are also some really good topics. You're giving some good ideas to sellers who are listening to this right now in terms of the kind of questions they should be asking as, um, you know, the, obviously the attractive ones out there have been approached by, you know, private equity buyers as well as investment banks like us. So I appreciate you covering those topics for us. So I know Alpine has a, uh, you know, a very impressive example of this buy and build strategy. Uh, the platform for the listeners out there is called Evergreen. So Matt, could you give us a little rundown of Evergreen uh, as well as its investment strategy and you know, a bit of a brief history of this platform? Absolutely. So Ever, Evergreen Services Group is an, a really good example of the buy and build strategy playing out. They are a business that was started a, a couple of years ago and is focused uh, today on the managed services industry. So they, they're, uh, think of a, a, a business that helps small, small and medium-sized businesses with their, their IT. And so they're kind of an outsourced IT department for small and medium-sized businesses. What Evergreen has been doing over the last couple of years is buying and partnering with market leaders as they think about from a, a really a market in the geography sense where they've, they've found businesses in different parts of the country 
that they feel are some of the strongest in the managed IT services market and have been partnering with, with those businesses. And then from once they have a, a, a business in a specific geography, then they look to grow that business organically through adding more in sales, uh, sorry, more customers through increased sales and marketing efforts, as well as um, uh, looking at additional M&A within those geographies. And they've, they've been very successful over the last couple of years. We've done a number of, of transactions, and we're, we're ex- we expect that to continue to grow. And we're re- really, really excited about what Evergreen has, has done thus far. Oh, it's, it's, it's a high impressive platform. Uh, we've been tracking it closely and uh, look forward to learning more about it from you. But you know, in, in light of this economic cycle we're currently in and um, the high exit multiples that we're seeing, I'm curious to hear, like, do you think that having a buy and build strategy in mind allows investors to you know, pay more upfront for a platform because they anticipate extensive add-on growth and operational synergies you know, as they roll up smaller companies into the platform? I, I think it can. It doesn't always make it the case. You, you do have to stay disciplined as you're thinking about what you are are um, doing generally from an investment point of view. We uh, at Evergreen, as we, as we think about new opportunities, we're we're looking for, as I said, the market leaders and looking for some of the best businesses in the in the market. So I don't know that we're as, as we're thinking about additional acquisitions. We don't. I'm not sure that we're necessarily getting discounts to to the market that we do. We we feel like the quality is is a really important thing, and this is not just for Evergreen, but for other businesses where we, we do employ a, a buy and build model. We think quality is, is the utmost importance and it, it matters more than quantity. So we, we want to be thoughtful about the, the additional acquisitions we make. And they're not always the going to be what, what you said, where you, you pay more for the upfront platform and less for the, the additional companies that you mm. invest in. That does happen, but it's not, I would say it's not always the case. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, given the uh, you know quality versus quantity, uh, you know, topic. So I know a buy and build strategy you know, usually entails a significant platform investment uh, with at least about four add-on acquisitions. So you know, is is more always better? And and like as a follow-on question, what, what types of uh, managed service providers make a great strategic fit for Evergreen? Yeah, I, going back, I'd say more is not always better. I think there's been a number of examples. Over the not the recent year, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty in the recent years, but in over a 20 year period, where people that have focused on a buy and build model have gotten into trouble when they probably took the approach of more is better, and they weren't underwriting each individual business that they were adding to the the strategy as a kind of a standalone investment. So that's where I think you can get into trouble with the model if you just want to grow your revenue and, and profit without properly diligencing the, the business or, or maybe not factoring in the, some of the risks that you, you, you could see in a, in a company as you're looking at it just to get bigger, that eventually will come back to haunt you. And it may not year one from now or a year from now or two years from now, but if, for, if you keep doing that, five years, six years down the road, it will end up probably blowing up. And there's been a lot of examples of that over the years. So uh, we, we are, again, going back to the quality over quantity, right? very much very uh, focused on the, the quality. And ideally, as if, if um, I'm doing my job and my team's doing our job, 
we're, we're, we're finding a lot of quality businesses that we have the ability to choose, but we, we definitely don't want to just go do deals for the sake of, of getting bigger and doing deals. And some of the things that we, we look at ever, with Evergreen specifically, as we're looking at new opportunities, it's looking at the growth of the business, the amount of recurring revenue that the business has. With Evergreen specifically, with IT service businesses, you sometimes will have uh, companies that, or maybe I should say a lot of times, where the company started off as a consulting firm where they were, were selling either product or doing projects for their customers and over time have migrated to the managed service business that is more recurring in nature. Because of that, you tend to see a lot of different profiles of businesses where Sometimes you have 20% recurring revenue and 80% more project-based. And then you, you see it all the way to the other side of the, the spectrum where it's 80% recurring revenue and, and 20% project-based. So th- th- those are the types of things that we're, we're digging into. And then certainly customer satisfaction, understanding how happy are the customers, what has retention looked like for that business is a really important uh, figure for us as we look at new new businesses. Customer retention can tell you a lot in a very short period of time about how the how the business is is uh, doing, and I'm sure that's something you talk to your your potential clients about. So that that's definitely something we focus on. Yeah, I know we we dig into it. <laughs> Look, Evergreen is obviously a, a really cool example. So before we we move on to KPIs of managed services, wondering like is, is there anything else you can share with us uh, regards to Evergreen and you know, kind of role Alpine has played in their success in this buy and build. One other point to bring up that we we haven't hit on related to Evergreen, and then also I'd say this is somewhat pervasive in other strategies that we have. We aren't necessarily buying the businesses and we're doing a a buy and build model and then rolling those businesses into one uh, monolithic platform. A lot of times we are operating the businesses independent of each other. And Evergreen is a great example of that. You have different geographies and different markets. We want to empower the management teams of those different those different businesses. We're not looking to to come in and say, "Hey, you have to do it," you know, exactly like this. This is what what corporate says. So uh, that that's a, a pretty a big uh, driver in I think our our success and the the engagement of the management teams that we partner with, and they. They're able to leverage the the best practices that we can bring to the table from the evergreen point of view, but it's not necessarily, hey, you have to go do this because this other group does it this way. And in fact, that's, I think, where a lot of problems come when you are doing a buy and build strategy is over integration. We, we certainly want to be able to understand the numbers and, and look at the, the financials in a, in a consistent way. So there, there's, there's integration in that regard, but you don't necessarily need to integrate all these other functions of a business and you can run into trouble when you, when you do that. And, and we've been able to take that approach and I think makes it a successful or have been successful because of our, our, our core value at, at Evergreen as well as at Alpine is of, of empowerment and, and providing the, the leaders of this organization, the, their sandbox and ability to make decisions and grow the businesses as they, they feel are appropriate. So have you, have you run into any notable difficulties in the integration process? Yeah, it, it is. I, I would say we have, we have in the past for sure. One of the reasons of why 
you don't always need to integrate these companies. And so I, I think the culturally, culture is a big one in having, when you, when you are doing a heavy integration with a, a company or between multiple companies, the just overall culture is, is a big thing. And then the, how do you, how do you figure out the go to market between the two businesses? So the sales and marketing teams, that, that's also another area where there you, you can, you can stumble. Understood. And so, you know, we know that IT services firms you know, may not have usually been as attractive as they are today, but obviously given the managed services, um, you know, the model, given its recurring revenue, it certainly picked up in demand. Um, you know, we've, we've felt that, but in terms of your managed service provider business model, uh, I know a lot of it, uh, the model is actually focused around the annual recurring revenue, you know, things like cloud services and subscription software. So um, what are the key differentiators that you guys are looking for within MSPs at your approach? Yeah, I, w- I would say the, as we're thinking about the looking at the different types of businesses out there, the more of the recurring revenue, the apples to apples, the better. Now, there's certainly a lot of other variables that you would look at when you're evaluating a business, growth, customer attention, some of the things I mentioned before. But if you're thinking about, okay, do I want to be growing faster through project-based one-time revenue versus maybe a little bit slower through recurring recurring revenue that's very sticky, There, there is real value in the recurring revenue and not just for operationally for your business, but also when you look to when you look to exit the, the company, investors like like us and others out there are going to value the business higher with a, a greater amount of recurring revenue compared to the the project based one time implementation or consulting whatever it might be type revenue. And for the you know for the like potential future candidates out there that are listening right now, why should those MSPs? the founders of those firms consider selling to Evergreen versus Evergreen's competitors out there? Yeah, so going back to what I said about the uh, the autonomy and the, the decentralized approach, we do feel like that's pretty different than the other players in the market. And if, if a, a founder is really focused on wanting to see their business continue on as, as is and their legacy continuing and doing that over a, a long-term period, Evergreen can be a really great, uh, great solution. And I, I know that's a, something that's a lot on the minds of a lot of founders, and it's something we we care deeply about and continuing. So that's a that's a big uh, differentiator for us on the as compared to other players in in the managed services market. And then we also, from a, a deal point of view, we're we're looking to try to maximize the cash at close for a seller and minimize some of the, the other structural elements that can be brought to the table in, in a, a transaction. So that, that comes down to the, an economic point of view, but that's another thing that we're, we're focused on as we look at, at uh, as, as we're talking to, to business owners, founders, or, or other types of business owners. Yeah, that is a, that's a strong differentiator you guys have. Um, but on the on the topic of MSPs, are you seeing any any trends out there? I know you've been involved in this space for a few years now. You've obviously seen quite a bit uh, coming from various candidates. But um, at least for the remainder of the year and uh, maybe the year ahead, what kind of trends are you um, you already seeing and expect to unfold even more? I, it feels like the 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 market is is going back to what I was saying, prioritizing the the recurring revenue. 
And that that's a we, we view that as a positive thing where business owners are, are are starting to recognize that okay, this getting a contracted recurring revenue can be a really one of easier way to run the business when you're you're just generally running it, and then two when when you think about ultimately exiting the valuation, the, the value of the company can can be higher. So we're we're seeing that trend continue, and I'd expect over over the next year that more of the businesses out there in the IT services market are going to start looking more like managed service providers. So that that's a we, we view that as a positive and shouldn't imagine will be a positive for the business owners that are, are running the companies. Understood. And I know we've heard some pretty funny indicators out there for signals correlation, letting us know that maybe a recession is around the corner. So obviously I know that there are recession worries floating around, <laughs> but I'm just curious, you know, with regards to the managed service provider business model or general IT services firms out there, how do you think they'll fare if there is a, a recession to come? It's a reason why we like managed services. It, it, if you think about an IT service business and what they're doing for their client, it's a, a critical must-have service. So I think for businesses that have gotten to the more recurring contracted uh, model, they will probably fare quite well. And the because we, we Alpine, we we use a an outsourced uh, provider. And we can't turn that off during a recession. And I'd expect for most um, businesses that if, if they're staying in business, they're not going to they're not going to turn it off either. And the the cost of the the service is, is likely lower for many of these smaller businesses than doing it in house. If you have to hire your own person or multiple people to come in house, the cost can a lot of times be lower to outsource it. So we think that the model will pre- prevail during a recession. And uh, probably where you'll see some of the hits within the IT services market is some of the new, whether it's product sales or implementations for, for, for IT solutions. So you might have a delay of, of a year or two on a project that a customer might have been thinking about when, when a recession hits. So that, that'll be something to look out for when, if and when that uh, recession does come. Yeah. Look, I'm glad like we, we covered the topics of um, MSP, Evergreen, but I think you know one of the one of the really um, you know, significant offerings that you guys have, especially for a middle market focused private equity firm, you know, is how you guys are winning in this talent game. You know, with your CEO training program, how you deploy them. So I, I, I want to give you some an opportunity to uh, dive a little deeper in. Maybe have some more to share with us with regards to what's in store for this this program that you guys have had. Uh, maybe some highlights in the past few years. You know, it's, it's a unique offering. I don't think many potential sellers out there know about it just yet. I know we have private equity firms um, who may have a bench of advisors that they could deploy, but yours is obviously unique. It's obviously, it's part of your, your firm's DNA. So um, please give us some some highlights on years past and what might be coming in the future. And, and the reason th- this whole focus on talent and uh, our CEO and residence program first and subsequently the, the CEO and training program we've been uh, doing, the reason it came about is we saw an opportunity in the market where most private equity firms, if not all private equity firms, want to, uh, to do deals where they require the owner of the business to roll over a, a significant amount of proceeds and continue running the business at the day-to-day level. As, as, as CEO, I know that works for a lot of business owners and they're really excited about that. What we saw was that it's, it, it's not 100% of business owners that, that want that. 
there are different desires uh, for many business owners. I don't have an exact percentage on what that looks like, but we saw that there there was an opportunity of a smaller, you know, some percentage of the the M and A market or the founder owned market and, and parent company. If you think about carve outs where there was a need for talent to be brought in day one. So we, we saw that and decided to really focus our energy on on building up capabilities to do those types of deals. And it really started with our CEO and residence program, where we bring a, a couple of executives onto our bench, and we're working with them uh, very closely to find businesses that they would uh, become CEO of post the, the transaction that we do. And these are, again, for situations where the owner of the business, whether it's a founder-owned business or a carve-out or a private equity-backed company, where the, 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 there, was, there isn't going to be a, an ongoing or desire to run the business as a, as a CEO or a management team that wants to do that as a CEO. So that, that's become a, a big part of our, our model. And we internally have a, a team that focuses on talent and recruiting talent in uh, our CEOs and residents, as well as the, the CEO and training, the, the professionals that join the CEO and training program. And what, what the, the CEO and training program is, is a way for us to uh, bring additional talent into our companies. And they those professionals would work closely with the CEOs that we back and uh, learn and, and, and grow from working with those CEOs. And eventually they would become CEOs of, of businesses that we invest in. So creating somewhat of a farm system for our, our investing down the road as we, a couple of years from now or a few years from now. So that, that's the general overview of the, the two different programs. And we, we do spend a lot of time on those. And I, I personally, going back to my role, I, I'm, in, I'm in charge of finding the, the deals that we, we do. And then uh, we have a team, another person here who has a team that's in charge of finding the, the professionals or the talent that we bring into the businesses. And they're weighted equally. We need to do uh, both to make the model work. And it's been... A, it's been re- really rewarding to, to to see it play out and to see the success that we've had with the model, and we're going to continue to to focus on that as we as we move forward. Now, that's a strong offering. I know that would be um, of significant interest to a lot of the firms that we speak to. Quite often, it's a it's a founder-owned company. Um, they've really built this thing up, you know, maybe you know, ten to twenty years, uh, but they're they're not looking to take some chips off the table, or they're just not sure and how to graduate this business to the next level. So it's obviously attractive to those. But what about the companies that we also speak to who have um, relatively young CEOs? They want to keep going. Like maybe they don't know how to take it to that next level or they want to be part of something bigger to tap into different verticals, maybe leverage some synergies, cut costs, but they're not ready to just pass the reins on to somebody else. How do you, how do you deal with those kind of candidates where you don't want to see them go, you want what they've built and you want to help them as well. Right. Yeah. There, there's a lot of examples of, of that, that, that case where the, the founder does remain involved with the business. And what we want to, what we look to do is understand what is, what's their real passion in the, in, in the business. And what a lot of times, especially on the technology side or the software side, it comes uh, down to, they get really excited about building product. And or or they they're really excited about the the customers and, and the relationships with the customers. So we're able to find 
a role that they're most excited about post the investment. And we've seen that play out a lot of, uh, a number of times over, over the years. And it's something that we, we we're very upfront about as we look at new businesses, whether it's coming through an advisor like yourself, or we're talking directly with the, the business owner, we're, we're upfront about, Hey, here's what our, our model looks like. And we'd love to find a way to find a solution that works for you and, and see what they're, what they're interested in doing and have an open and honest conversation about it. Yeah. I could see how that would be awesome, you know, for the, for the engineers or the scientists out there, you know, they, they've built this company really built up to something attractive, but unfortunately they've had to put on a management hat and step away from the lab. <laughs> right. So obviously I want to get back right. in there and this is a great opportunity for them. It's a really strong offering. So yeah, Matt, look, I've, I've really enjoyed this. I obviously want to welcome you back to this anytime you want to <laughs> discuss a little more. I know you have several other platforms that you guys are building out. Obviously Evergreen was of significant interest to us. Uh, we operate in a similar space. So I um, appreciate you taking the time and uh, you know, please join us again. Yeah, thank, thank you again for, for having us. And we, we look forward to continuing to work with you and, and hopefully um, continue to grow the, uh, the Evergreen business. I know it is a, a, a big area of focus for Seven Mile. And, and so thank, thanks for bringing us on to the, the podcast. Hopefully it's informative for the, the business owners out there. Certainly has been. All right, Matt. Great having you on with us. Cheers. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Deal Talk with 7MA. You'll find more information and resources based on today's discussion exclusively on our website. If you're looking to dive deeper into today's topics, head to 7mileadvisors.com to speak to one of our bankers today. That's the number 7, M-I-L-E-A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S.com. 7M Securities does not make any investment recommendation for any company or security that was discussed, nor does the firm offer any tax advice. Consult your tax advisor for any tax matter that might apply to you or your business. 